Hi, my name is Monica Gleberman. I'm Victoria Dupuy. And you're listening to Silence Onset Podcast. Hi, guys. How are you? Yeah, good. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to talk with both of you today. So I guess I'll kind of just jump right in. Um, I guess my first question is for Graham. I wanted to know, you know, this movie has so many kind of I feel like genre bending mixes it is a noir obviously film but there's you know crime in it then there's like a whodunit and a mystery and then all these pieces that kind of get put together similar to that of a cutter ironically like kind of towards the end so I want to know how you went into approaching this film yeah I think it's a great question um and certainly something we talked about a lot while we were making it, that we were sort of trying to pay homage to and exist within the spectrum of these great sort of film noirs and Hitchcockian thrillers of the mid 20th century that I think we all love so much that I grew up loving. And I was so excited to sort of try and work on our own fresh spin into that kind of space. Um, and yeah, I think, I think I'm, I'm glad to hear you sort of hit on exactly what we were going for, which is this idea that in some ways the movie sort of goes through these different shifts and phases of almost like different kinds of noir thrillers in the mid half of the century. Um, you know, it, when it, the first 20, 25 minutes um, feels a bit like a sort of a, a wrong man thriller, which Hitchcock made a bunch of um, and a number of other filmmakers too. You know, the sort of an innocent guy gets trapped up in this world that is in which he's so far over his head, right? This is this dangerous world. Um, Leonard Mark Rollins' character is sort of surrounded by by sharks like like Johnny Flynn here. And he's just sort of trying to keep his head above water uh, and, and stop from drowning. And then the movie starts to shift and goes into sort of a, um, a rope period, right? Like a, uh, or something like Death Trap, um, where you've got bodies hidden and people double crossing each other. And you're sort of going into like another, um, noir crime thriller mode. And then by the end of it, we sort of go into, there's like a heist phase. Like there's almost sort of a heist in that last operation um, in some of the final sequences um, before our kind of bloody denouement. So I think that was part of the fun of it was because we knew it was so, we knew it was gonna be so contained early on, right? We knew we were gonna do the whole thing on this one big set. There are seven speaking parts in the entire film. So the idea is sort of how do we get as much film as humanly possible into this confined space and this um, limited group of fully dimensional characters. Um, yeah, I loved it. And I just felt like every, I would say a good, like probably every 20 minutes or so, I was like, ooh, we're shifting somewhere else. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what's going on? What's going And you're just constantly, I think like in it, and, you know, um, Johnny for Francis, like when we meet him at first, you're like, okay. And, and the same thing I kind of feel like happens for him, right? We meet him and we're kind of like, all right, he's got, you know, Richie's back. He's here. He's trying to protect him. He's trying to help him. And then same thing. He kind of bends and shifts as the movie goes on to a point where you're like, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? What's, what's yeah. happening with his character? So how do you, you kind of digest that as an actor? Because I know you're reading from a script first. So how do you see that? And how do you envision what you're gonna do when you kind of step in to play him? We had this, you know, what, what is a luxury in a filmmaking process. We had an amazing 
um, rehearsal period um, where they were both there and we asked, we were able to ask them tons of questions and it was such an incredible resource. It was really important to get everything right in your head that, you know, in this scene, I'm playing, you know, this and I'm, and I, and I believe this and this is my reality. This is my truth. But yeah, with Francis, obviously he's, and, and with Leonard, they're, you know, um, with everybody, they're keeping, they're keeping, there's certain secrets that they hold and those secrets collide. And the script is so expertly worked out really. And each little twist made so much sense to me, even though it was incredibly complicated. It was, it was just, I, I just loved it. For Francis, you know, obviously there's moments in the film and I feel like this is such a great film because there's so many moments that turn it, right? That make something else happen. It's kind of like a domino effect. But did you play him with an air of like paranoia? Because, you know, we meet him and at first he's helping Richie, but then thinks Richie did something behind it. And there's a lot of like miscommunication and judgment, which is obviously happening, we find out. And I'll put this out way after the movie comes out. But from Leonard's perspective, which is kind of, putting these little pieces in. So I felt like a lot of it was paranoia and a lot of rash decisions yeah. happen based off of that. So do you play him with an air of that for making the decisions such as shooting Richie and doing some of the things that Francis decides to do? Yeah, you know, the joy of this, the, it's, it's interesting being in a character's mind fully because you're not allowed to have the benefit of the perspective that the audience might have, you know, in terms of when, when you know, the moment that you're referencing when Leonard is manipulating Francis and then he's also playing off Richie and he gets them each on their own and, and, and sows, the, you know, a seed and you realize how clever Leonard is and you think, oh shit, how's this gonna work out? But, you know, Francis just has to be there believing Leonard. And, you, yeah, he, he's a naturally paranoid, skeptical, cynical uh, person by his, you know, it's, it's in his job description. But where they all fall down is that they trust Leonard, you know. Um, so it's really, it was fun. It was fun for that to be a blind spot and to do those scenes with Mark. Because we had this kind of good, lengthy rehearsal process, which felt so rare and such a special treat um, in making a film. We had an opportunity to explore so much of the backstories and what happens off screen. I think a funny, a funny thing about the film and the script is you look at them and, and a lot of major events happen kind of just off screen or just off the camera. Um, you know, even right, an easy thing to talk about is, is uh, when Richie gets shot off screen and, and Francis and Richie both run into the shop, right, early on. It's in the trailer, so it's very easy to talk about. Um, the, you know, spending some time talking through, okay, what actually happened in that gunfight that just happened off screen that we're seeing the effects of? You know, what are, we in a rehearsal process, we had time to really go through what are the sort of day-to-day -day of Richie and Francis's job together? You know, they've, how long have they been working together? They seem to be doing this, they seem to come around the same time to the shop to pick up envelopes every single day. You know, what is their daily routine together? What are the tasks they have to do together? And we can sort of act those out together. We got to sort of explore what are the other times Francis has been in the shop? What are the other times Richie's been in the shop? What are, are there special moments they've had in the shop? What was Francis's relation to Mabel and her father, which is something that's never, it is never text in the script or in the film, but is certainly a subtext that you just see in, I think one of my favorite, um, actually when I was watching the film last night, we had our LA premiere last night. I think my one of my favorite shots in the whole film is uh, Johnny gives this reaction 
when Simon Russell Beale mentions Mabel's father. And it's it's not scripted. He's just he's just reacting to his relationship with this guy that is never spoken of in text. Um, but but clearly something happened between Johnny and Mabel's father. You know, they they have this whole there, there's this whole backstory there of of intricate history from these people who've spent years and years around each other in this crime-ridden Chicago neighborhood that we had all this time to sort of explore and work out ahead of shooting so that so that when we're shooting all these things that were not text per se got to play out in in wonderful bits of subtext so when you know and like that was a moment where Johnny just did this great little look that uh, as soon as my editor saw it, he called me and said, oh, that's going in the movie. Yeah, this wasn't, that's not scripted at all, but we're definitely borrowing that, you know, to bring this kind of extra layer of realism and, and fully worked out emotional reality to the piece. Well, you know, it's funny you should say that because when I was watching it, you know, Mark does such a good job as Leonard because I didn't think he had anything to do with the storyline other than this poor guy that just wants to be a cutter and give these amazing suits to people. And then as it starts going on, I feel like as we're kind of learning some of the manipulation, there's moments where other characters are noticing certain elements too that they didn't know. And it does bring this like realistic thing in. And you know, when you're watching a movie where it all takes place in basically one set, it could be extremely boring, right? You're watching, you're like, oh, this is so not that interesting. But it was it was so interesting that I like totally was invested and just kind of forgot what was going on. And then the whole time I'm trying to figure out who was it, who was the person. And it didn't even occur to me that it could have been Leonard. So as a director, how do you do that in a way? Because I feel like a lot of movies, it's a long winded question, but a lot of movies, they kind of give it away. Like, you, you know, or there's signs where you're like, oh, I think for me there were signs after the fact when I watched it a second time but the first time when I watched it totally over my head like I literally was like I can't figure out who it is maybe it's this one maybe it's this person and I didn't realize the extent that Leonard was so involved I mean literally from the beginning to the end so how do you figure all of that out yeah I mean figuring it out obviously was sort of years of writing and planning out the story in advance with my co-writer Jonathan um, you know, I think in terms of working out the intricacies of this thing, we'd we'd set this task for ourselves, right, with these limitations. And I believe Johnny and I have actually talked about this a lot. I think both of us as artists really enjoy um, constraints, and I think we, we, we they're really fun. I get so excited by constraints. Sometimes you feel like having these constraints uh, inspires you to things you might not otherwise do. And in this case, we had these, these really big constraints, right? We knew the whole thing was going to take place on this one big set. We knew we were only going to have this very limited spectrum of characters. It's funny, I was just listening to it. It, it, this, uh, it seems like a tangent, but I was just listening to this interview the other day with, um, I forget the name of the guy, but he's the head chef at uh, 11 Madison Park, a very, you know, three Michelin starred uh, restaurant in New York City, one of the sort of most acclaimed chefs in the United States. And he was talking about how He's talking about his cooking and he was talking about how he feels like any chef can make something interesting with a hundred ingredients. If you put a hundred ingredients in a pot, something interesting will happen. But that he was really excited about what a, what a chef could do with only three ingredients. You know, how do you make only three ingredients do something kind of new and interesting? And it's funny, it really stuck with me as I was thinking about what we were doing with this movie was we had this very kind of limited palette of 
of kind of colors and flavors to sort of throw in this pot. And so, so the process wise, it was a lot of sort of figuring out, working out these elaborate backstories, figuring out how to sort of build these twists into the film so that they didn't feel, they, they didn't feel like they were twists for their own sake. I mean, I think I never, clearly I really like twisty crime thrillers or I would not have made this film, but it always felt to me like the ones I liked the most are the ones where the twists add emotional depth to what's happening. They don't remove it. Um, and you actually feel like the twists, that they're, they mean something. They're saying something about who these people are. They're saying something about the thematics of the piece um, beyond just a simple kind of plot reversal for plot reversal's sake. And, and likewise, I think we have, this, uh, we have this idea that it's not a movie with kind of one big twist at the end, right? I mean, there is a twist at the end, like literally in the last two minutes of the film, there is a twist, but it's not, that's not the only one. And, you know, we sort of talked about the, this kind of slow burn where the first half of the film is setting up all these things. And the second half of the film, basically every 10 minutes, there's a massive reversal. And that was part of the fun of getting to work out in advance that it's not, we've seen films with kind of one big twist at the end, uh, a lot, but I got excited by this idea of a movie that that kept twisting itself, that kept turning you every 10 minutes would give you some new, oh, but you weren't looking at it this way. Um, but it also means playing fair with the audience, right? You know, not, not concealing too much for them simply as a cinematic conceit, um, but presenting things, you know, you watch it a second time, a third time, you go, oh, actually a lot of the evidence for what I was looking at was, was right there in plain sight. I was kind of staring at it. I just wasn't looking at the right thing. And that's, you know, I, uh, the, the first stories I ever read when I was a little kid, I literally learned to read. I was a very late reader. I had a hard time reading when I was young. And my mom would stay up with me every night. And um, she really liked Agatha Christie mysteries. And so uh, this is true, like genuinely the first book I ever read as a, I don't know, six-year-old, seven-year-old was Agatha Christie's A Murder in Three Acts uh, with my mom at night. And we'd sit there in bed and she'd read a couple sentences and then pass me the book and I read a couple sentences and that was my most formative kind of reading experience were were on those Agatha Christie stories and I think you see it so much in these I mean she was you know the great master of building in these kind of twists that that also were reflective of the the thematics of the piece overall well no you're so right because like I said when I first saw it didn't think of him at all watched it again and now with the facts right like once you know like the things that you're looking for you can kind of spot out some things but you did such a great job of not making it so overly apparent like I really just didn't know and then um as the movie goes on with the constant kind of shifting and changing and things that are happening it makes you forget that you're in one spot because so much action is happening. And Johnny, like you're a part of that because so much of your incoming and outgoing and kind of back and forth of coming in and out of the, like, of the store, like the shop, brings in a lot of like the drama. Mm. How does that work on your end, you know, in terms of kind of like what Graham said, like, you know, you're on a Titan scale, you're on one set. I feel like it could be more pressure to make sure that the entertainment's going, that the level stays high, right? The energy level the seriousness of what's happening. So how do you prepare for that? Because normally I'm sure you're dealing with a bunch of sets or, you know, different locations and you're kind of dealing with this one area. Yeah, I mean, the constraint of having one space, I come from theater, so it's, uh, 
you know, it's it's a it's a pleasure to to revisit um, a storytelling environment in film where where you know when you bring information on from outside, you have to have have it really clear in your head. And it was super fun with Francis because sometimes the information was real, um, and the energy was 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 tangible. You know, whether it's um, Richie's been shot uh, or you know there's been a gunfight, so you, you know you just have to have that you know like like Graham said we we worked out the the mechanics of that and had a very visual you know or sometimes kind of improvised things that that uh happen off screen and um so yeah bringing that on or or it's something that Francis has invented because uh he needs to manipulate the situation back at the shot and I think Graham and Jonathan did so well was they made uh you don't think it's going to be the most interesting place to be but you never want to leave the tailor's shop because you because it's where all the most interesting things happen you don't you don't need to see what happens between the Lafontaines and the Boyle gang you don't need to be at the gunfight with Richie and Francis you need you want to be there as that comes in you know as that comes in and 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 you want to see uh Leonard deal with it you want to see what you want to see his world as that evolves and your understanding of him and the depth of him and the and this as the surprising aspects of of his character get unveiled you want to be you just want to stay with him so you you do forget that you've been in one space but yeah I mean for me yeah felt very familiar uh coming from theatre and I you know over the years worked with writers who who have to use that um by necessity you don't you know often don't leave one space in in theater and it's just about yeah the new information that comes in the information changing somebody revealing a, a new truth um which is all is all wonderful stuff as an actor to get to play um it's much more fun than uh, being told that you know when they've done the cgi there's going to be a, a monster coming at you, you know um so so I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's funny because there were times after I saw it the first time, um, when I sat back and thought about it, I kind of felt like I was the tape, if that makes sense. Because I feel like, although we're visually seeing it, I kind of feel yeah. like I was hearing secret things that I shouldn't be hearing and like hearing what's going on. So that's kind of how as a viewer, I, I was like, I feel like he, like Graham made me into the tape. Like I'm the one sitting listening to all of these kind of conversations go on. And it did make true. it so interesting. I think I think they did that. I think yeah, they when you talk about playing fair with the audience, I think the generous your generosity to the audience is is so. The audience has the best seats in the in the story. You know, they 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 get to see all of these things. They get to see stuff that Francis doesn't yet know or Richie doesn't yet know. So it's it's I think I think that's what makes it so enjoyable. Uh, to watch and certainly was to read when I first read it I was like I, I do have to be I have to be part of this I'm going to try really hard <laughs> on my audition tape um, yeah it's 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 very very fun for both of you how was it seeing it finally come together because I know obviously you read the whole thing um you know Graham you're directing the whole thing but you know, there's parts, right? The, making movies in parts. And then as an actor, you're reading your parts and what you need to be focused on. So what is it like sitting and kind of seeing it all come together? And it was like, 
I have read some articles where people said it was like a thread, you know, like the pun or whatever, but it was, to me, it was very musical. And I felt like in the end, it was like this big crescendo um, kind of of everything you've kind of been through, almost like an operatic song. Like you were just like so invested um, that by the end, I was just like, oh, <laughs> like I, now I know what happened. So what was it like for you guys to see it and finally see it all put together? Yeah, it's funny. I feel like only now can I act, now that I'm a few months removed from finishing it, can I really watch it with an audience and kind of appreciate it um, the way they do. Because, you know, the filmmaking process, there's, look, it was my first time as a, as a director. So it felt like I really learned that there were these kind of three core parts to the process and really three core creative collaborations. You know, there's the, the, pre-production phase in which I'm kind of principally collaborating with Jonathan, my co-writer, um, and, you know, on years of kind of writing the script and plotting it all out and figuring out the characters and working out the backstories, and that goes on for years. Um, and then, um, I guess there's four phases, then I guess phase two would be kind of collaborating with my, my wonder, our wonderful production designer, Gemma Jackson, and our brilliant cinematographer, Dick Pope, and sort of figuring out, okay, how exactly are we going to photograph this? How do we design a set that can be photographed the way we want to photograph it? How do we develop a set of aesthetic principles behind the film that allow us to kind of make it look and feel exactly the way we want it to, which in this case was so much like making it kind of look like one of Leonard's suits, right? This very elegant yet fluid thing where it's very, it's very classic, it's very measured, it's very precise, um, but also the camera moves a lot. It's always, but it's always moving with bodies of people. It's never moving on its own, you know, like a suit. It lets the bodies of these actors guide the motions of the camera. Um, and then the kind of third and the most fun collaboration is with our actors, um, with Johnny and Mark and, and everyone. I mean, it's such, a, such an intimate kind of collaboration that I just love so much, um, where it's funny. I think now I look back on it and I watch it with an audience and all of my favorite lines are the ones that you guys just did. They're not ones that were in the script. The, yeah, the only things that I've like, I've seen it so many times now, the only things that make me laugh are your improvisations that are in the movie um, that I love so much. Uh, and I always go, gosh, I wish I'd written that. That was so good. Or all the little things that you guys added that were not scripted. Um, those are the, the most fun bits for me. Um, and then as you were saying, I think the last part of the process, I mean, you're watching it so many times with my, 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 my editor, my dear friend, Billy Goldenberg, and you were talking about the musicality of the piece. And I, I you know, would be remiss in not talking about our wonderful composer, Alexandre Desplat, um, who, you know, there's, there's a reason he is uh, arguably the most acclaimed living film composer right now. Um, it's because he's a genius and we, you know, there's, it's funny, you sort of go through, in some ways my experience of the filmmaking process was this, I feel like I know all of you so well, like I had this intense collaboration with, with Johnny and the other actors on set and then I go back to LA and I have this intense collaboration with my editor, Billy and, and Alexandra, who's writing the music. And we have this sort of, um, it's almost like another level of, of writing the piece. And it's so exciting to have someone, you know, what I loved about the kind of post process was you get fresh eyes, like people coming into it, you know, they Alexandra had read the script months before, um, but hadn't watched the dailies, hadn't seen anything until we had a pretty stable, solid, this is basically the cut that's gonna be the final cut. And then could come in and go, you think the scene is sad, but actually I think this is a happy moment. You know, if you're, if I'm looking at what the footage that's actually in front of my eyes right now, there are sometimes different emotional valences to what's happening than you realized. Um, so, I mean, it's funny. I feel like I've seen the outfit. I don't know how many thousands of times at this point. Um, and it's so fun 
now a few times just in these last couple of weeks, I've been able to sit in a theater and watch them with strangers who are seeing it for the first time and um, hear their laughs and, you know, get an audible gasp at the end when Johnny and Mark do what they do. And uh, that I live for those gasps. It's funny as an act, like I've seen the film, the, the movie once. <laughs> so I, I, I get to, it's, it's obviously a much, uh, less involved and less constant engagement but it's so it's so fun doing something and yeah we're, we're really you know uh, obviously sort of small small pieces of the jigsaw and then you you go away and the film gets finished and you're like ah oh, yeah wow it's that that's what that became you know um things are so surprising and you know the editing and the, there's so many things that happen after you think you know what the story is and you know so it's, yeah it's super fun I, I'm I'm it's one of the things I've been involved in where I'm the most excited to see it for for a second time just because I, it, it's so it's so much you know and um and and it and it really it's such a roller coaster with all the twists that I just yeah I'm really I'm I'm super excited for it to come out and to 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 go see it basically I had such fun making it, I really did. Well, I think I'm out of time, so I'll ask one final question, which by the way, just really quickly, your accents were amazing. <laughs> the great Chicago, like old school accent was so good in, in the film. Um, Thank you. I, I loved kind of, I loved everything about it. And I really, at first was like, mm, it's in one like, scene, I don't know. And I was just in, I mean, I was like this, like screaming it on my kid, like I was just like, so like invested. I'm recommending for everyone to watch it more than once because I do think that it stays with you. You watch it the first time, you keep thinking about it and then more stuff develops and then you watch it again and you kind of catch more things. But what would you tell, and this for both of you, just I guess my last question, what would you tell fans that are like, I know they're already eagerly awaiting to see this film, but what would you tell them or recommend for them to go see it and kind of like your hope that they, what they get out of it? you know when we were when we were rehearsing um and in the early days of shooting we were uh as a cast led, led by mark who who went you know with all of his projects or every role he plays um he goes uh deeply into the to the world of the character and and does so much fun, fantastic research and really kind of leads from the from the front with that stuff because he doesn't do things that he's not incredibly passionate about and I've worked with him a few times before and seen how deeply he goes into things but he was he had all the um uh me and Dylan and Zoe around for dinner one Sunday night early on in the filming and and we watched um uh these these film noirs on his on his cinema at home and so fun to to go there were there was tons of movies I mean I I, I grew up watching you know Hitchcock and lots of films from this period and love rear window and rope but there's so many and that I hadn't seen and Graham and Jonathan were amazing um you know especially in the rehearsal process in suggesting um films to see and I watched um Night of the Hunter and thought about certain actors performances in particular that would be helpful um for me and talked to people about my character and got suggestions and looked at like um uh James Cagney and um, uh, people like that, and and just thought about what I wanted, to, which aspects of of him I wanted to draw out, and um, 
So yeah, I, I would personally say that there's not much that you should come with in terms of um, preconceptions that wouldn't undermine your enjoyment of the film. But I think to get excited about the world of the film, it would be nice to go and watch a bunch of those old those old movies, basically go and go and have a deep dive through movies from the period because this is uh, whilst you know very respectful and and in that tradition in some way it's a brilliant uh twist on 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 those genres and a fantastic kind of um uh new new idea in the legacy of those kinds of movies basically yeah i think that, oh gosh i think that's so well put and i'm so um uh i know i remember i was, I was a little bit nervous when you guys were off watching those noirs because uh, i know mark has sort of asked for stuff to watch i never want to i ever want people to be doing impressions of something um, so I was so hesitant. I remember this really vividly, like to, to give you guys recommendations for things to watch. And it's funny then after I think uh, Mark told me that he had watched Double Indemnity at one point early on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. After I mentioned it. And so then I, I and then he, I remember this so vividly. I said, I watched Double Indemnity. And then he came in the next day and said, oh, I watched Double Indemnity last night. And um, uh, I got it. I know exactly what you want me to do. I, I can, I can, I know how to do this part now. And then I went, Oh Jesus! What did I? What? What's about <laughs> to happen? I don't. What's marketed? Oh! Oh no! Oh no! This is my worst nightmare. Um, and then I figured, oh, I gotta go home and watch Double Indemnity right now. I've got to see what is Mark seeing from this because they're very different characters. Um, and it's a very different. I mean, I, I love it. It's a very different story. And then I went home and watched it, and I was, I sort of went, oh God. There's a reason Double Indemnity is, you know, on every list of the best films ever made. It's usually around in the top ten, and you're sort of going, oh right, this is why. I cannot watch this film in the middle of our production. Like I can't watch a great film while we're making ours. Like I, it's funny when I'd go home at night, I could only watch kind of bad movies um, throughout the whole filmmaking process. Uh, Cause I found it oddly reassuring, but yeah, I think I, I, I love what Johnny just said. And I think it's a film so much about, it's called the outfit, right? And it's about clothes, it's about exteriors versus interiors. It's about presentation. It's about the differences between the ways people present themselves, what they sort of put on the outside of themselves and what's really going on underneath that. And I think I think we live in a world in which it's very easy. We get quick glimpses of people, right? We see a photograph or we meet someone on the street. Um, we think we can size people up very quickly. And we think we can sort of two seconds and we have them pegged. We know exactly who they are. And one of the things I love so much about this film is that it is a hopefully a kind of white knuckle thriller about how that's not the case, that every character in this film presents themselves as one thing. And then over the course of the story, we're going to pull back layers and find that there's someone else instead. And I think that's, that's true, not just of characters in this, of the characters in this film, but I think that's true of, of all of us in the real world as well. Well, I want to thank you guys so much. I hope people um, go see it. And like I said, I'm encouraging everyone to see it more than once. And and same thing, kind of don't know anything. Just go in, watch it, and then, you know, see it again and think about it. It's so well done. You guys both, I could, I could talk to you guys for two hours about it, about like even like the smallest things and some of the stuff that you guys um, both did. But I think it's one of the best movies I've seen in a really long time. And I just want to say thank you to you guys and congratulations. I think everyone's going to love it. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, yeah, it's been my pleasure to be to be a part of it, really, and to work with with Graham. Such a joy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That really brightens my day to hear you say so. Thank you so much for that. This has been wonderful. Uh -huh.